Hey, let's bring in our next guest on FT Live coming from the Kansas City Royals, Bobby Witt Jr. joining us right now. Bobby, good to see you, man. How you been? Good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for really having me. Really good. Really good. Facial hair is tight. I like it, dude. Great, great uh, to see you for the second half of the season here. And let's bring our combo right into what you think so far of what you've seen from Ellie De La Cruz. And can you help us run through what he's going through as a rookie trying to take the league by storm? You went through all of this with life coming at you fast a year ago. Yeah, it's we got to see him firsthand. I think it was about a couple of weeks ago, and it was impressive just to see kind of what he's done. But, yeah, you know, like I kind of was hearing y'all talk about it. He didn't have a hit last series or whatever, but it's just part of the game. You guys know. And so – I think that sometimes I feel like as a young guy coming up, you got to kind of almost put the weight of the team on your shoulders. And I feel like I've done that in the past. And just with coming up, I'm supposed to be this franchise guy or whatever with the Royals and this. And you just put so much pressure on yourself whenever you got to still be relying on the other eight guys. You got to just all be pulling on the same strings, all be doing doing your job to help the team win. And I think that that's, that's the biggest thing that for me and I guess for him, it's like everyone just kind of buys in. I think that's whenever baseball just kind of takes off. I know you've said in the past that you don't always get super nervous at those moments like big league debut and going through things. So what advice would you have for someone like Ellie De La Cruz when you feel like you have all of Cincinnati on your shoulders as such a young player? And also, when are you going to steal home like that? <laughs> I've been working on that, trying to time, time some things up. So hopefully <laughs> soon, I don't know, whenever the time's right. But yeah, I just think it's just, you just got to go out there and just remember this is the game you've been playing ever since you were however old and just maybe a little bit bigger stage, more fans coming to watch you, uh, bigger stadium, whatever, facing big leaguers, but just know whenever it comes down to it, just try to be a little leaguer in there. He's doing what little league guys do in big league games. So it's, I think that's the biggest thing. Just go out there and just let your talent show, prepare the right way, get your body, get your mind right, and then go out there and just perform. Speaking of what little league guys do in big league games, uh, my my little peanut Drew Waters, absolutely pimping a four hundred sixty five. Oh. Yeah, uh, a little backflip on his second home run of the year. We're talking about little big leagues. What advice can you give to someone like that who you see as all the talent in the world? He's not a face of the franchise like a Dale Cruz guy, but you know the talent's there, and you want to get the most out of him, and you just want to get him to relax. So, how have you guys, kind of both young guys coming up, how have you helped him to kind of develop a routine? Where do yeah, you go with I him? Think, I think it's kind of almost our whole team besides Salvi and a couple yeah. other guys that we got a bunch of young guys. But, yeah, just with Drew and other guys, it's just, yeah, like you said, just finding that routine before the game, getting your mind right, getting prepared. I think that's the biggest thing as a young player is just knowing because if your prep work is almost harder than the game is, the game just kind of – you just play the game and just taking it bit by piece, piece by piece, just kind of inning by inning and then not really let those failure moments kind of take over. And I think that's the biggest thing for – for us as a team, don't let, yeah, we're in last place, but also just try to learn, learn from, take some wins out of the games, take what went, what went well, even though we lost and just try to build off that and just kind of keep moving forward and just try to limit those failures and know that the failure is going to happen. I think that's the only way you can learn in this game is by, by failure. And so that's what kind of everyone's kind of starting to buy in and just hopefully just kind of start piling up some wins and getting those things going. But yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing. Just getting that good routine uh, as a young player. And so you can stick with that and just make minor adjustments to that and just try to make the game as easy as possible after that. Bobby. Uh-oh. Who's, call, who, who's calling? Oh, that's my – it's actually my girlfriend's iPad. That's on uh -oh. her. We're good now. 
Are we FaceTiming? <laughs> are we FaceTiming somebody or no. what? It was she left her iPad here, and so I don't know what it is. Ooh, don't look uh, at it. Yeah, now answer. you're getting all her calls for the day. Yeah. <laughs> don't answer. <laughs> Turned it off. <laughs> you were talking about how you guys are in Kansas City, obviously in last place. You won. I'm guessing you you won a lot in the minor leagues. You won in high school, right? You were probably won in little league. How do you deal? And and I know the routine is important, but how do you deal with it? Because I was I came up with the Twins, and we were not very good, and we lost a lot of games. So how do you deal with it as a young guy and say, man, I'm going to make this better and not succumb to, oh, it's okay, we're losing again today. What, what's your plan for that? Yeah, it's it's definitely frustrating um, as a young guy or just losing in general. I think I like – I hate losing more than I like winning. And so it's just whenever you start piling up those losses, it's just kind of how, how can you deal with it? And I think the biggest thing is just kind of going over what went, went wrong after the game, just kind of talking in the clubhouse, whatever it is, and just kind of just figuring those things out. And like I said earlier, just taking those little wins that you have, whether it's you get a base hit, just kind of build off that, or you make a good play, just help help the team in any any way possible and just kind of build off those little things and then just really just learn through that that those those tough times because it kind of some, – some of those things stick with you and you, like, you make a mistake, all right, whatever, and then next next game the same thing happens and then you learn from that. So you just try to make those quick adjustments, and I think it's just – just learning uh, is the biggest thing. I don't know really how else to explain it, just trying to, no. to limit limit that failure and just limit those mistakes and just make adjustments because this is what this game is. How quick can you make the adjustments and how big can they help you? Who do you go for to talk about those things? Do you go to Salvi? Do you go to Q, your manager? Do you go to your dad? Your dad played in the big leagues, right? So you're very lucky. You can pick up the phone and say, hey, dad, I made an error tonight at shortstop, and I also struck out. What do you got for me? And you can say, well, tomorrow you're going to get four hits and steal four bases. So it's okay. I did this, kid. Like, that's got to be a luxury that most people don't have. So who do you go for? Yeah, it's a little bit of everyone, uh, whether it's talking with Salvi or veterans on the team and just seeing – like what? What did you guys go through in 2013? Uh, whenever y'all were kind of start to make that rebuild, and then what was that? What was that thing that kind of flipped the switch for from 2013 to 2014, making the postseason run, making it to the World Series, and then 2015 winning the World Series? And then I can go to my dad, where he I pretty much call him after every game. We go through the good, the bad, the ugly, whatever it is, and just kind of just go through the game because we wherever we are, we're always talking baseball, and that's just kind of how kind of I was raised and how my family is, even with having three older sisters, they're always talking baseball. They all married three baseball players. So our whole family's pretty much baseball. And so, uh, yeah, just talking with him, just kind of because he went through it with some teams and stuff. And he's won a World Series with the Diamondbacks 2001, just talking with my dad about what what was that team camaraderie like? What was it like in the clubhouse? What was it like that? And even talking with Q and just – talking to him about because this is his first time managing too and he's just he's coming to us asking us questions which is great just for what give it given our feedback telling him what do we think needs to change and asking a guy like me that and that has a little over a year in the big leagues it's pretty it's pretty cool just to just to have and have that and then through just kind of mental performance side is another huge thing um work with a guy brian kane he's been great i've had him throughout high school and um now just kind of just a guy, another guy just to talk to, just that mental side of the game, because that's I think it's so so big and so huge in this game. Well, first and foremost, say hi to your dad for me, because it seems like a lifetime ago. Your dad was actually my agent. Yes, yes, uh, for, for sure. I remember. Um, and then, but I wanted to touch on with Q, because he was my hitting coach for a while in Cleveland and one of my favorite coaches I've ever been around. How has 
his adjustment seems and how are you guys working together kind of along this process of getting in new positions? Yeah. Like, I guess, uh, you know, how, how he is, it just kind of laid back real, real cool. Just kind of like that, that player's coach. So he's in there just really just kind of, he's, I think kind of learning through, through it all too, as well, going through the, the tough times and with this and cause he's been, been to with the, the Rays going to the world series and everything. And so it just kind of, I think it's just learning how to, cause we're all so young. We're all so different in the clubhouse. And so it's just really just trying to find, find where, where our, our roles are pretty much. And he's trying to help us. I feel like find what our roles are as a big leader and just telling us just to kind of go out there, play, learn yourself and do your job. And that's kind of what he's been. And he's just kind of like that. If you need to go talk to him, go in and talk to him. The door's always open. And so, which is great to have. Wait, I need to know more about um, Bobby Witt Sr. Uh, representing Jason Kipnis. Kip, can we bring you back in here? Dude, uh, can you give us a little more on that? So did he swing any deals for you? Any like little side marketing contracts? Any good combos? Honestly, did Bobby Jr. come along and say, what's good? No, it was, it, I mean, it was so long ago. I'm trying to remember even why he isn't my agent still to this day or something like that has <laughs> happened. I think I was with a certain company and they're like, I was leaving them and they're like, before you leave, we want you to be with him. And I, I the, your dad was awesome. Uh, and I, I respected the hell out of him. I just think, I honestly, it's been so many years. I'm trying to really think of why we parted ways, but uh, he didn't get you that four hundred million dollar deal. That's why you're like, hey, I can get an. If, if if there's an agent who could have got me a four hundred million dollar deal, they need to be on a Mount Rushmore somewhere. Then, <laughs> Bobby, is he representing you, or do you have separate rep? Yes, yeah, he represents me. Him and another guy, kind of just. So it's been it's been great. It's been pretty. Well, you'd like to think he has your best interests at heart. Yeah. So like the, <laughs> the negotiation part's kind of hard for him because it's almost like he's always dad first in, the, in those ways. So, but yeah. How are you taking care of him? Are you paying him like on a contract or are you just going <laughs> to, here's a, here's a watch or here's a car later on from the deal you got me. Yeah. Just, I think it's all kind of just all whatever the, the business side of it is, but yeah, I got him a car back after I signed. So that was kind of a little, Thank you. Good man. Good man. Everything. And so we try to pick up the tab at dinners every once in a while. Nice. That's a right. baller move. Oh, hey, yeah. Dad, here's a car. No, what I'm thinking yeah. is when he signs like for $100 million, like a big long-term extension, you know, he'd be like, Dad, here's a Rolex, dude. Thanks. You're my dad. Beat it. You don't get the percent you're supposed to get. You're just going to hear, I'm going to buy you a, I'm gonna buy you a Timex. Here you go, Dad. Thanks. I love you, yeah. but uh, we're moving on. Yeah, he would like that. <laughs> hey Bobby, I know um, you're a big card guy. We'll do segments on here um, where we'll rip packs. We don't have it today because we're in separate spots. But let's run through your love for cards, what you're working on business wise on that front. I mean, give me it all. From I think you've got a separate social account you're running. I know you've got the deal I've seen with PSA, which grades cards. Um, so tell us about that. And then also, I think this was last year. I spoke to Vinny Pasquantino. He said that you guys were trying to swing some deals and, and he wasn't that like um, educated on it. So I think he might have held back because he was worried that he was going to get taken. So, yeah, give me the whole scope. Yeah. So I'd started collecting cards ever since I was little. And then throughout high school and stuff, I kind of stopped just because baseball kind of got real and uh, was focusing on that. But then going back over COVID, I was going through some of my cards and like, looking up on eBay, like what they're worth and everything. And I had a couple of Mike Trout rookies and I was like, dang, they're <coughs> worth a couple 
couple grand is I'm like, I'm going to get these things graded, see how it comes back. And then just going through the collection and just how much the card, like hobby just broke out during COVID was crazy. And didn't just send in cards out to PSA, getting them graded, doing that. And then just like, kind of like going on eBay, bidding on cards, bidding against people. It's just, it's just fun. It's just kind of great, great fun. And then just seeing how valuable like my own cards are and stuff like that. So starting to collect my own cards. And this year I've been, well, I've heard from, Mike Trout last year, he was buying kind of boxes every time he hit a home run. And so now I was like, all right, instead of that, I'm just going to buy one of my own cards every time I hit a home run. So I've kind of been doing that this year, which has been fun, just kind of going on eBay, buying my own cards, bidding against people. I got an alias on there, so people don't know I'm kind of bidding on my myself on there. But uh, so, yeah, that's been that's been fun. And the thing with Vinny was I think I got some, I uh, pulled like a Zach Wilson autographed rookie card. And at the time, it was like, worth a couple hundred bucks and I was like Vinny I'll give it to you for 200 bucs or whatever he's like I don't know how this guy but now that card's probably worth 25 50 bucks so he, he made he made the right choice on that <laughs> he yeah. turned you down hey so you have a burner basically right because obviously like you said I mean you can't be like hey guys Bobby Witt Jr. here trying to buy my own cards everyone's gonna be like um and they're double right now so do you like comment and all that and are there conversations that you have or you have to kind of like keep it cool yeah just with eBay it's pretty easy just they don't really, you just send the offer and if they accept it, then you get the card. If not, then you kind of negotiate a little bit. I never really kind of comment on the stuff. It just kind of gets shipped home. So, yeah. And then on the trout part, I like that. So when you hit a homer, you get yourself a box, take care of yourself. Did trout talk to you about this? Is this something you learned from when you were with them at team USA for world baseball classic? Yeah. So a little bit there and we kind of talked back and forth when he came into town last year, he, texted me and asked where's like a good local card shop uh to buy cards out in kansas city because i think one of the either the clubbies or one of their guys i think one of the uh ollie madami one of the bp throwers uh he he kind of gets the cards he's big into cards too and so uh i got to, he was with us with usa too him and then trout and so we we're kind of talking a little bit about that and he was just telling me how how much and stuff he was spending on cards and so it, it was crazy but he's buying the nice couple thousand dollar boxes and pulling some crazy cards so his collection's got to be worth i don't even know a crazy amount but yeah it's pretty cool just to see guys like him collecting cards and then you see other guys around the league doing it so i turned around and i said exactly what we're talking about i just found a couple uniform pieces of my own that i did the same exact process uh what i'm wondering and sometimes when people like if you get them in the mail or something you're like wow i've never seen this before I'm not sending it back. Can I trade you something? I'd rather send you a bat or a, like anything because so I can keep this card. I want to know if Tops or why players haven't asked this. Does Tops or anything like if you ask for a copy of every one of your cards, would they send that to you? I I don't know. I've never asked. I know whenever I was doing my first like Bowman Chrome signing and stuff, they offered like an, an amount. I don't know how much it was. I can't really re remember what it was for if I wanted to keep my. Uh, one of one uh, yeah. gold refractor of it. And I was like, ah, I don't know what it was that they offered, like 5,000, maybe a little less, just taken out of like whatever I'm signing for it. And I was like, ah, no, that's a lot of money. And then next thing I know, I think it's like two, three months later, I see the card sold for like close to 50 grand. So I was like, dang, that's <laughs> that one I missed out on that. So then that's that one, that at that moment, I was like, dang, this is, this is serious, this card collection, and then getting on that whatnot, watching people rip packs. I was like, dang, I'm never going to do that. And then here I am in bed that's what i kind of spend my free time on just kind of watching that just just a fun hobby yeah i was the one that bought your one-on-one as an alien <laughs>
<laughs> Get out of here. Make that's crazy, right? though. <laughs> no, Kip, I don't think – I mean, and that's cool that they offered that, but, like, if you go through all of the cards, I mean, like he's saying, like some of those Bowman one-of-ones, like they're worth a lot. I, I think if yeah, they tried to offer them to all the players, it would be uh, it would be hefty. And you want some of the fans to be able to pull those, no? At least for some of these cases. I'm not I'm not talking about like a one of one, but I know like guys like sounds like Bobby and me. Like you grew up as fans, you collected cards when you were younger, and you it's 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 weird to describe, but it's so cool to have your own card. And I don't think yeah. players really talk about it that much. So I'm just saying, not even one of one, but like if they're printing off thousands, send me one of each one. It doesn't have to be a one of one, just one of 5,000 or something. So I can like, if you frame all the cards of yourself together, it's a cool memento, I think, to have. Yeah. And I just got my iPads actually set up on a box of cards because I got to sign them now. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah just, I don't miss that. Tons of them. My, my thing is, 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 yeah, if they gave away the one of ones, there would be one of two. So there'd be two copies of the card. So Bobby, you could say, yeah, look, I got this $50,000 card. Yours isn't worth shit now. So here, here's yeah. the other one. No, so they're what, talking about the one of one. That, that's like, what I'm were, saying. But if but if Bobby said, I want the one of one, they would print another one. And Bobby would say, well, I'll never yeah. sell it. And then 10 years later, he'd be like, hey, I have the other one. Who wants <laughs> it, right? When he After he makes the all-star team a couple times and does all this great stuff. But I want to go back to what you said. Mike Trout is in Kansas City. He walks into a card shop. What's the reaction from the owner of the card shop? Is he stopping? Is <laughs> like, that's, that's holy right. I don't shit, think Mike Trout him. just walked in. I don't think it was him. I think he had guys going into the, the store for him, getting the cards, bringing it back, and then them opening them either in the clubhouse or in his hotel room or whatever. Yeah, okay. I don't think he can go in there. I was going to say, like, can I'm, you imagine I'm, the owner? The owner of the shop walks. He's just sitting there. He's looking down. The bell rings on the door, and he's like, oh, my God, Mike Trout. Just, what do you want? What can I do? Will you sign? Oh, did, did. Yeah. Right? And then Mike Trout's like, I'll take the $40,000 card box up there. I'll take that, and I'll take this. And he walks out with like – yeah, he just talks out with a grocery bag full of cards and just walking down the street in Kansas City. Oh, I'm no big oh, yeah. deal. That'd be pretty awesome if you're the card shop owner. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt. Hey, uh, Bobby, we've got some questions from fans. So a few of them asking about your spot in the lineup and you've been hitting really well. Do you have a favorite spot? Is the two hole your thing right now? Yeah, like anywhere in a, a lineup's good. But I was leading off early in the year and – I'm kind of an aggressive hitter, so it's almost like the night before I'm going to sleep, I'm like, all right, am I going to swing at that first pitch? Am I not going to swing at the first pitch? And it's just kind of like just just dumb stuff I was doing. But then, yeah, just I, I like the two-hole, whatever. And But, yeah, just lead off. I don't know if it was just I, – I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. It's just you lead off pretty much once a game, really. But, you know, whenever that lineup's turned over, you kind of got to spark something or do something. But, yeah, so a two-hole has been great, yeah. Six extra, six hit, six games in a row with an extra base hit. Let's go. Let's get the record. Isn't that a ro- tied for Royals record? So, let's go tonight. Let's get seven. Oh, and, and when yeah. you get on there, you know, give let's me, give us some celebration. Sweet, yeah. Well, save those legs a little. I picked you to lead the league in stolen bases. So, let's let's maybe a couple singles I mix in there. That's yeah. how you get to second and third. Yeah. Oh yeah, I need to get that. How, wait, I want to ask you this then, as a as a base dealer from coming up through the minors and the way you've always played, how much are you noticing the difference in rules where they can't pick over or the, the clock? Uh, have you gotten that down to the advantages that it's created for the runners? Yeah, I think it's starting to, I'm starting to kind of like figure that out a little bit more, just going through and just looking at tendencies and everything and just uh, of what the pitcher does and picks off and stuff. But you can definitely tell, like even when I'm hitting, you could see like the pitcher kind of come set 
whenever a runner's on and kind of like you could see his eyes going left to right, looking at that pitch clock and trying to time it out. And I think as a base runner, if you know that that's a pitcher that's doing that, he's waiting until to get to one, right? When he gets one, just take off. Or, yep. or if they're kind of one of those guys that just like to get the ball, go quick, and just then you can just kind of take off right away. But definitely I think that the pressure's more now on the pitcher with the runners, whenever runners get on base. I don't know what the stat is, but it would be cool just to kind of see what like pitchers – statistics are now with runner with base dealers on first and just if there's a difference in whether it's strike percentages or whatever it is i think that'd be kind of cool just to see bobby when you saw that come out on the stolen base front that clearly when the rules were announced that, that it became official in the off season did you give me did you do one of these like okay let's go and maybe you didn't expect 40 plus percent stolen bases to go up in all of major league baseball but clearly you knew like it's on yeah, I think, too, is just also another thing for guys just to have. I think guys would always able be able to steal these bases like this, but now it's just like one of those things where it's like like how the first guy who ran a three-minute mile, no one did it, and then once he did it, thousands of people did it. And so it's like one of those things, oh, we got bigger bases? Why not now? We got a little edge to steal more bases, but really I feel like it's always it's always been there. It's always been, I think, the game was kind of going away from it, but now it was just that little – pitch clock, a little bit bigger bases, only a couple pickoffs. And now guys are like, all right, now we can see how this works. And then guys are seeing it. Oh, wow, guys are actually stealing more bases. And then it's like, oh, I want to do that. And then everyone's doing it now. So, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think it helps. But also it's almost like one of those things. Oh, look, now we can do more. I wanted to take you back to World Baseball Classic for one more question. So how much cooler are you now that you played on that team? Like what kind of – do you have everyone's phone numbers now? Are you like – off season, oh hey, you know Mookie, I'm in town. Oh hey, Trouty, let's go like rip some packs, all that. You know who are some yeah, of the dudes that you made close friends with? Pretty much all those guys in that clubhouse. It was it was like I was kind of like I felt like I was just going to be the fly on the wall during that, just because I knew what my role was really. But then I was pretty much just like in every conversation, just talking. And then that group chat we had was probably one of the coolest things. I I'm just like we got every dude every star dude in this group chat. And then like another cool thing, I'm walking in the cage and it's like Trout, Mookie, King Griffey Jr. Are all having a conversation. I'm like, all right, I'm just going to walk in here and see what's going on. Just <laughs> check this out. So yeah, just that experience was unbelievable. And then just playing in it and doing that was, was great. And then being able to almost like I was, I was on first. So I came in a pinch run the pitch or whenever Mookie was hitting, Otani was pitching. So I was like, wow, this is, like I, I felt like I was just floating at that time. It was, it was awesome just being able to kind of get out there. And then I was so uh, right after Mookie got out, I came back in the dugout and I was sitting like right at the top step watching that Trout versus Otani. It felt like it didn't feel real, like just sitting there watching that and then just being in there with those guys in the clubhouse and just learning so much just from each and every one of them. And it's like you would think that all these guys, all their all all stars, they all they got it done. They got millions of dollars. I think our lineup was worth over a billion dollars or whatever it was. And so just like you're like, all right, these guys got it done and then you look and see their work ethic. Oh, now you know why that these guys are all stars every year. These guys are MVPs because like, just the work they put in, the preparation they put in, it was second to none. It was, so it was really, really an honor just to be a part of that, be around those guys and then the group of the coaching staff we had was unbelievable. Michael Young, Dero, Griffey, Andy Pettit, Brian McCann. It was just, it was just awesome. I'm glad you took advantage of that because one of my biggest regrets, uh, I pushed out. It was my rookie year. 
I got, we were playing the Yankees at home. Our visiting clubhouse and batting cages were closed down. So the Yankees had to use ours. Talk to Jeter at second base and had some questions for him. And he's like, come meet me uh, in the cages tomorrow or something. Because I, so I could follow up with him. I think I opened the door and it was just Jeter, A-Rod and Cano hitting. And then immediately I was just like, nope, <laughs> close the door immediately. So I'm glad you at least took advantage and soaked it in all that stuff. Cause I, I, one of my biggest regrets was being intimidated by interactions with them. And you start thinking of these guys as peers and start playing against them. And that's the right way to do it. So I'm happy you got to experience that. I think it's only going to be beneficial for you. Uh, and we really do wish you the best of luck in your career. Yes. Thank you. Yeah, it was awesome. Wait, quick follow here. So when, when you entered that room, is it one of those, like, do you do it smooth or is it one of those like, Hey guys, what are we talking about? Or is it just like, Oh, strolling in my, my turn to, to hit the cages. Oh, go ahead guys. You can go. I'll, I'll just Wait, kick back. I, I'm reading AJ's face. He's so being like, who the hell cares? But it was, no. it, was, it was a rookie and I just opened the door and I just I was like, nope, no, no, I was, I, I was surprised because when I, when A-Rod was at the Yankees and we tried to go in the cage, he kicked us out because he didn't want anyone seeing his routine. I'm like, what? You're hitting off a tee. No other big leaguer hits off a tee. Yeah, yeah. Like, come on, dude. You're not that cool. He's got I mean, a patent on it, AJ. Well, I was going to say, unless he's yeah. doing something he shouldn't have been, which <laughs> he might have. <laughs> there he is. Wait, is the group chat still running, Bobby? That that USA group chat? Or is it quieted down a little with the season? Yeah. There was like a couple texts after opening day and this there's a little things and but nothing nothing recently. So bring it back. Yeah, dude. Bring it back. Maybe not in the season, but in the off season, just like right day after World Series, you could just be like you gotta send like some gif or whatever. Is it I I kept hearing back then like Kyle Tucker was like sneaky funny in there and would oh, say yeah, he was, he was run, Yeah, he was running the um the speaker in the, the clubhouse too, so we got the good vibes going in there. And yeah, there was some there were some funny gifts, memes, whatever you want to call them in that yep. group chat. Okay, so maybe especially after going. especially after Trey hit that homer. Oh there's some, yeah, there's some good. Yes. Stuff. All right, so maybe they're too competitive during the season. I feel like. I mean, plus they're busy, but right, like, uh, we're not. You know, we're friends, but we're not going to be texting all day. But maybe it fires up again in the off season. Yeah, for sure, and yeah, I think so. But it was, it was really cool just the the pitchers and the hitters. How like they got close, but then they also didn't get close because you know that you weren't going to face any of those guys. Yeah. And I hey, think I'm, I'm over. Yeah, I think I'm over like 26 against the USA pitchers because I was hanging around them too much. So I got <laughs> to change that out. <laughs> yeah, they're friends, Scott, but they're not that kind of friends. See, when you're a player and you have group text, Kip, Bob, you understand. Scott doesn't understand. But you have text and you're friends. Until then, you're not friends anymore. You're friends, but you're not friends like that. It's called frenemies. Yeah, yeah you, you can text each other, but then you got to face them. And like you said, he's over 26 off of. Uh, off the USA picture. So he's like, we're friends, but we're not really friends. Because yeah. if they were friends, you just lay one in there and let me get at least one. No doubt. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bobby, awesome to have you on, dude. Really appreciate the time. Good chat. Um, keep doing your thing here in the second half, man. We'll catch you again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you. Bobby Wood Jr. One. from the Kansas City Royals. You too, man. Have a good one. Um, good stuff there. Yeah, I imagine that group chat, maybe in, this, in the off season gets running again where someone's like, yo, I'm in LA, who's around, something like that. I would swing so early versus in at bats versus friends. I just didn't want to, you just don't want to strike out too. So I knew I'm, one of the first couple pitches, I'm the bat will be over. I'm swinging there. I'm putting this in play. You're not going to get me. I don't want to hear it from you. <laughs> so some of them probably wish they had the scouting report because if they did, they probably would have thrown you crap outside of the zone 
early on in at bats. That, that, that was probably part of the report anyways. <laughs> at least, you know, most people let you watch their, uh, their hitting drills before games. So yeah. That's cool. <laughs> most people. Most, most people. people. Not all. Not all. Not all. There was only one that did that. There yes. Only one. Kicked well, then out. that's Old why game. I'm surprised. Kip would have gotten kicked out maybe. I don't know. Of that little group he was talking no, about. No, Jeter, Jeter was too nice. Jeter would have said, hey, stay, probably. Yeah, Jeter, yeah, would, have, Jeter would have put his foot down and said, listen, I'm the authority. captain. I'm the captain here. I'm number yeah. two. My jersey's going on the wall. Down. Yeah, no, that wasn't Fair. happening. Which would have been worth entering the room just to see that, too, probably. But wait, why didn't you enter that room? Like, it was – like, like, you were just like, eh, I don't want to be around all those dudes. Like, yeah, it's, it, was just, it was just intimidating. It was, yeah, yeah. It was in the rookie season. I had only, like, a cup of coffee, not even. A few – like, a month or two in – you're you're you you get to second base and you're talking to Derek Jeter for a second. It's a cool moment. And then you have a follow up question. He's like, the pitch was going. He's like, let's talk tomorrow. Come find me in the cages. So I like waited around. I saw him go in the cage. I go in there and it was just empty. But those three guys hitting. And at that time, it was just like I was like, mm, not yet. But I didn't know. I was like, I, I overthought it. I played it up to something bigger than it was. And yeah, wasted an opportunity. If. Cano wasn't in there or A-Rod wasn't in there. Like if it's just two of them. Again, I don't know. Yeah, it wasn't one of them that was more intimidating than the other. I think it was just all three together. And I think it was probably like, holy shit, I forgot my question. Or holy shit, I was like, what do I say? You don't want to embarrass yourself or something. And you're just you're worried about the wrong things instead of just uh, taking advantage of the opportunity to talk to not only Derek there, but three great players. And yeah. It is what it is. We ended up, I'd talk to him later down the road or stuff when I stopped worrying about that kind of crap. But uh, I just, uh, I remember it was a big, big uh, mistake to not go into that room. No, it's interesting. That's cool. Let's bring in Trey Mancini right now, uh, joining us from the Cubbies. And how you doing, Trey? And where are you right now? Uh, I'm at my apartment in Chicago right now. Nice. How's Chicago life treating you, dude? It's great. Um, you know, such a great city. Um you know, one of the best, um, you know, one of my favorite places to come as a visiting player. So to play here now has been really cool. So um, we love it here. Well, we Where? appreciate the time to go ahead, AJ. You're what, the I was going to ask him what neighborhood, because well, me and Kip both know Chicago well. What neighborhood yeah, we're in we So like right downtown. Um, yeah, like right in the heart of the city. So, um, you know, when I was in Baltimore and, and Houston, we were a little bit outside the city. But I feel like in Chicago, you got to be you got to be downtown. There's too many good restaurants and things to do to not be down here. What are some of your favorite? Uh, Babette's is probably my favorite restaurant. Um, yeah, I love Babette's. And, uh, you know, there's like too many to count. But Babette's is definitely number one, I think. Rest Orsi owes, owes me a dinner at Babette's, so I'm waiting for him to take me uh, there. <laughs> so when you see him at the game tonight, tell him he owes me dinner. I will. I'll, I'll make sure to pass that along. And it has to be at Vivette's. I'm sure that'll be the first yeah. thing on his mind when he's at the ballpark <laughs> trying to. Oh no, I'm, I'm going to remember. I got you. <laughs> nice. I like it. Trey. Listen, you know why? You know how I know he'll remember Scott because he's from Winter Haven. Us Central Florida guys, we stick together. Okay, so you just yes. you stay. I'm in a Central lane. Florida guy. Screw you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you didn't go through the grind of playing here in the summer when it's 200 degrees and whatever. Playing, playing doubleheaders in I'll Central be in Orlando Florida. tomorrow. Rough, baby. man. Yeah. Was that Cleveland spring training site? Was that Chain of Lakes. Way back when? Yeah, Chain of Lakes Park, Winter Haven. That place so was I went, awful. Yeah, I went to a lot of those games when I was growing up. Did that place like was awful. Growing up then? Did you watch them a lot? Like, Was that your first or second favorite team? 
They were actually like, I probably followed Cleveland closer than any other team when I was growing up. Um, our whole town loved them. And it was so cool. I'd get out of school and go to, you know, spring training game, CCC Sabathia pitch. Um, you know, kind of, I saw him like right as he was bursting onto the scene. Um, you know, at that time I was a really young kid, but it was so cool. Um, they had such good players back then, like seeing Kenny Lofton, um, Travis Hafner, um, you know, so many, so many great players. It was really cool. That place was awful. Let's be honest. That place, that place <laughs> it was, was it was awful. rough. You know, as I've gotten older, <laughs> I, I like, I can't believe that that was a major league spring training place for so long till like 2008 was our last year there. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're in like one of the great ones now in Mesa with the Cubs. And then you look back and you're like, gosh, as a kid, I went to chain of lakes. So there was like one field and the stadium was falling down. You're, when you're in spring training in Florida, you're like, I got to go to Chain of Lakes. You're like, oh, please, God. Yeah, there's like alligators coming off the lake into the outfield on one of the fields. Yeah, it's it's crazy down there. Is that true? There were alligators in the outfield? I saw, yeah. Like, we, we would play some high school tournaments there, and there were a couple gators on one of the backfields there one time. So, um, you know, that's, a, that's typical in Winter Haven, though. Wow. Scott, don't tell Scott. Scott's scared of alligators. I'm he's scared, scared of, of alligators. He's scared just, of alligators. No, I just think like them being like the norm, like, oh, cool. There's an alligator right there. I just, I think that's weird, you know? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Alligator just casual the down there. Like, to me, my, my thing, Trey, that I'm always thinking about is I just, I don't want to step on one. So like, you know, if you're in the outfield, it's like, I don't want to step on the alligator or I went to university of Miami. And when I was there, they got rid of them eventually. Like they had them on campus. I almost stepped on one one night and I'm just like, this is weird. Like, I don't want to yeah, step on they're all over the place. This, it's not like stepping on like a bug or something. Like if this is a real freaking reptile that gets pissed yeah. off. Oh yeah. Yeah. They get pissed. I didn't think we'd go here, but anyway, all right, let's, let's talk <laughs> cubbies for a sec. Okay. So uh, tell me who some of your best friends are so far. And also um, what's it been like to watch the season that Marcus Stroman is putting together? We know the dude's been good, but this is the best he's ever put together. I think there's no doubt about that. Yeah, watching Stro pitch is absolutely incredible. And I've seen him pitch for a long time, obviously. Um, he was with Toronto for a while, and, and I was in Baltimore, so I faced him a lot. So it's a lot more fun being on his team and getting to watch him pitch than, than having to face him a good amount. Um, but he's just so locked in, um, so locked in every time he takes the mound. Um, just the way he carries himself, the confidence he has, um, the belief in himself, it's, it's incredible, and it's showing. You know, he's... Um, had such an incredible year, obviously a very well-deserved all-star nod and, um, you know, a huge Cy Young candidate. So, so happy for him. And, and it's been so cool to play with him. How's the team feeling about this second half? Are you guys, I, you gotta be having your ears to the ground about the trade deadline. You gotta know a bunch of names are coming up, but you also know that you're still, no one's really pulled away from the NL central. You guys are still within reach. Exactly. A lot of games versus each other left. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's the first time I've like had the experience of being on a team where you're not sure what they're going to do was last year in Baltimore, basically, um, and 2017 in Baltimore. But, um, you know, it's an interesting spot to be in. But as a player, um, the last thing you want to do is sell. You want to, you know, these are a huge next couple weeks coming up for us. Um, you know, let's be honest. It's um, huge. And I think eight of our next 13 games are against the Cardinals too, um, which is kind of crazy scheduling, but, um, you know, having division games like that is, is really big. And, um, 
like I said, as players, we want to, you know, have a really good couple of weeks so so we can keep the band together. Trey, you were traded last year from Baltimore to Houston. Explain to people out there, I always say tra- changing teams the first time is the hardest. So explain what it's like changing teams last year for you the first time. I'm, I'm hoping it was easier when you left Houston. Obviously, you won a World Series, so that makes everything great. But then the yeah. Cubs. But I, I feel like the first time, the Orioles to the Astros is always the hardest time. It is. And, and it's not because you don't want to go to a new place necessarily, um, which I absolutely love Baltimore so much. I had been there for 10 years. So I think that's what the hardest part was. I was so established. Um, you know, I had such a kind of key role in the organization. I had seen all these guys younger than me come up and start to succeed. Um, you know, so it's going from that to a new team where, you know, you almost feel like a rookie the first few days uh, when you go to a new place. You don't know who anybody is other than the players. And you're trying to learn all these names, uh, learn a new city, learn a new stadium, things like that, while also trying to maintain the same performance that you had in this other place that you were so comfortable in. Um, so it, it, it can throw you for a loop. But luckily in Houston, the guys were absolutely incredible. And, um, you know, I fit in really well there. So I had such a good experience in Houston and I'm so thankful for my time there. But, um, but yeah, it is hard to leave a place that you love so much with guys that you become so close with too. So it's, it's very bittersweet and yeah, very interesting emotions to go around. Trey, were you shocked? What, what would be the word that you described last year when you were traded? Because I have to say overall what they did, and I know it's helping them now, uh, this year and moving forward, but they were playoff relevant. They could have made the postseason, and now they're great. Obviously, they're most likely going to be in the playoffs this year, but between you and Lopez, the closer, getting dealt away, I know speaking to some players on the team while they were still there, they were like, I get it, but like it kind of sucks because you're basically telling us that you don't believe in us for the last two months of the season. Yeah, it was interesting, and um, you know, funny enough, last year was the first time that I tried not to really pay much attention to it or give it much thought, and I did a pretty good job of thinking, you know, of, of sticking with that, but I had been in trade rumors a few years before that and got really caught up in it, and it didn't happen, so last year I was just, I told myself I was going to enjoy my time, wasn't sure what was going to happen, but um of course like it kind of you know blindsided me the day that it did happen but um but yeah it was an interesting spot I didn't know what the Orioles were going to do because we were a game above 500 I think at the time so I knew it was around 50-50 and we were just part of a really strong division um is what it came down to and and they pulled the trigger and and traded Loki and I um you know so like I said it was bittersweet you know it was tough to leave a place that i grew to love so much, but I also got to experience a new place um, and make a lot of new friends on the Astros and, and, you know, most importantly, win a World Series. So, um, you know, it was a whirlwind looking back, but something I'm, um, you know, thankful I, I got to go through because it's it's definitely an interesting part of baseball getting traded. Yeah, that's the thing to me is, and like you said, AJ, winning the World Series helps, but the other part of bittersweet is they're good now. You went through some shit, dude, for years. Like they were, <laughs> they were Tank City. They rebuilt. They had all the number one picks, and they are stacked with prospects as much as any team in baseball. And you don't get to like play out that final chapter. Now, again, I think if I here if I offered you, do you want to 
play out um, the Orioles run for five years of being good, but you don't know if you'll win a World Series? Or would you take a World Series ring with the Astros, which is obviously a goal for any ball player? Which one would you take? I mean, you got to say the World Series. That's what we, you know, that's what we all dream of as a kid. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I made my debut in 2016 and got to experience the wild card game that year. And then um, obviously was there through the entire rebuild, which was tough a lot of the time. Um, but I, I do feel like I saw the end of it too last year. I mean, things had really turned around and those guys have kept it going. Um, you know, they are all like really good ball players, and, and a lot of these guys that have gotten called up towards the end of last year and this year too, um, they're studs. So I'm, I'm so happy for them. So I'd be remiss, like, you know, to have any bitterness in any way because um, I had such a great tenure there and, and ended on such good terms, and that's something that lasts for a lifetime. And, um, you know, I got to go to a new team and won a World Series. So, um, you know, the Orioles are are just a team now that I happen to have a lot of friends on and, and you always want the best for your friends. Do you root for them? Do you, I know you obviously you root for the team you're on, but do you root for the Orioles now because of everything that you went through there? Um, it's tough. Whenever you're playing, you know, you just focus. I think last year after I got traded, I was kind of keeping tabs on how they were doing and it was a little weird. And this year it's not really like that at all. Like we, we played them back in June, and it was kind of like playing any other team. Um, so, um, obviously, I want Bullshit. success for, like, my Bullshit. friends that are on the team. Bullshit. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. Bullshit. You're like, screw Dude, you, man. I you guys traded me. You guys tra He's not like that, AJ. Dude, everybody's, everybody has a little bit of that in them. Listen, I know you won the World Series when they traded you to Houston. But in your mind, you're thinking, man, if they would have kept me, Maybe we could have made the playoffs last year. Maybe we could have made a run. Maybe I could still be in Baltimore. So but he won a World Series, dude. He just said he wouldn't trade that. I mean, dude. I understand. But you, how many players play get a World Series ring, even if you're on good teams and all that, and you play for you know 15 years in the bigs or whatever it is, right? I, I understand that, but what I'm saying is, when you play him the next time because they did trade him, don't you're not like, oh yeah, it's just another team. Like I'm so happy for him. Bullshit, dude. There's a little oh, no, bit I'm of not, you. I mean, I, I'm. I'm gonna. Yeah, I, I want to kick your butt. Him, but yeah. I'm not like. I'm still playing, so I'm not actively rooting for another team in any. No, regard. no, no. Yeah, I, I, I understand that. that. I, yeah. Yes, I understand that. But when you played them, you, you said, you said, oh, I was. It was another team. No, I'm, that's what I'm calling. I mean, I so. yeah. Like so, let's. Last year when I got traded, we played them, and I was like, not. I had. I had like really rough series against them. I play. I only played in one game against them this year, but I had a great game, and um, you know, so it did feel good. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Go. So um, thank you, thank you, thank yeah. you. Scott doesn't understand that part of it. Well, that's why this is a player-run show, obviously. Okay. <laughs> um, but hey, question one more about Baltimore last year. What did the guys say when they show up to spring training, and somebody probably broke the news, like, "Hey, so uh, we moved the wall back." And Oh, yeah. Made it more difficult for everyone. Obviously, I'm guessing they didn't talk to any of the players. So was there like a moment? Because some people probably paid attention to the news, but I'm sure some players showed up and they were like, excuse me? Yeah, righty. Yeah, um, it was <laughs> mostly, yeah, Mount Castle and I, the, the two righties. Um, yeah, we were pissed. We were, I'm not going to lie. Like, we, <laughs> we weren't thrilled about it. Um, and, yeah, you know, the two of us um, – it, you know, we were a little outspoken about it, I'd say, the first, like, month or so. And then 
we got over it. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a big change. My jaw dropped the first time I saw it. It, it was pretty crazy. It's wild. But um, on the flip side, you look at their lineup now. They got a lot of lefties in there, and it it, it helps. Um, you know, and it helped the pitching side of things big time. That was the thing was. AJ, for a while, it was hard to talk pitchers into signing with the Orioles, right? I mean, that was a thing, and I don't think that's going to be a thing as much anymore. I mean, you still have to deal with the AL East, so your ERA is obviously going to be probably a little rougher than it would be anywhere else. But do you think that helps a lot for them from a front office perspective, AJ, and then I guess Trey after that? I think it does, but, I mean, Baltimore was also not very good for a long time, so nobody wanted to go there, and they weren't spending money. So now they're good. They have a lot of young prospects, so I think they'll have a little bit easier of a time getting people to come in there. And like Trey said, when he went to when he was a free agent this year, guess where he looked at? Chicago. Why? Because it's a great place to play, a great ballpark, and they're supposed to be kind of climbing up, right? So it, it's a it's a lot of different factors. It's not just you know the park, but I mean Chicago is a great place to live. Where he said, you know, now he's there. The park's great. The fans are great. It, it's all encompassing. Yeah, I think I think having like free agent pitchers want to go to Baltimore is huge. And I think that was a big reason for the decision to, to move to all that. What do you think of the way that the schedule has been adjusted starting this year and beyond where teams don't play each other as much within the division? I know the AL East is loving it, but also the other component of every single player gets to make a stop in each ballpark. Yeah, I, uh, I like I like the new schedule. I like I think it's cool that you get to play every team. Um, the only part of me that's like a little bitter about it, I guess, was it was like really hard to get to the point where you had played in every single park, and now everybody's gonna hit it in like two years. So um, I finally got to play in San Fran and Dodger Stadium this year for the first time. But like everybody's gonna do it, you know, in these next couple years. So that's the only part of me that was like, you know, had any bitterness about it. But I think it's pretty cool getting to play every team. But if you ask somebody on Seattle about it, um, you know, if they travel is probably even worse for them. And, and it, it's already pretty, pretty tough to begin with. So I'm not sure if they're loving it, but, you know, we're, we're in the central travels, never too bad. So it's cool getting to go everywhere. Speaking of the schedule, have you gotten used to all the day games with the Cubs? Are you a day Love game? Day guy games. You like day games? I'm a big day game guy. So I actually really like it a lot. <laughs> what makes yeah. you a big day game guy? You kind of get, you know, a good amount of a semblance of a day after the, the game's over, basically. You know, your whole day is geared towards the game. So when your game's at 7.05, um, you know, the game ends at 10 o'clock. It's like, you know, you go to bed and then it's the next day already. Day games, you know, it's a little quicker day before the game. Um, you know, it's a little more concise schedule. You play the game and then you, you know, get to go to dinner. It's a little more like working a 9 to 5. I was going to say, with those 1 o'clock games, you could still get that 6 o'clock Bavette's re- reservation. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, all the Chicago restaurants are at your, your fingertips on day games. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, I love it. Trey, awesome ca- catching up with you. Keep doing your thing in Chicago, and we appreciate the time, dude. All right, guys, thanks for having me on. Thank thanks, you. Trey. Good talking to you. Uh, Trey Mancini with us on FT Live. Good stuff. Um, dude, I mean, for AJ, because I know he was like, Bullshit. No way. I will say I've interviewed Trey many times and he'll, he'll point it out too. He said there's a few things he was bitter about, including Mount Baltimore, but he's a pretty easy going. Nice I'm gonna, guy. I'm going to cut nope. you. 
right there. You could be the nicest guy in the world. You're a disgruntled ex when you're playing against your team, <laughs> even if you're up, even if you ended on good terms. Yeah, you just, you right. You just want to get the, you you just, they all know you. You want to get them and, and show your best, right? Yeah. Even if you ended on great terms or were a free agent or whatever it may be, you want them to know, like, hey, look what you're missing. Whatever, however you want to categorize it. But no, I'm with AJ on that one. Time to swing for the fences on BetMGM, a new MLB free-to-play game for sweet prizes. Here's how to make it happen. Log into the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android. Play the BetMGM MLB free-to-play game until September 7th, 2023. Be a batter and pick an area of the strike zone. Depending on the area of the zone you pick, you will get a single, double, triple home run or pop-out and receive the prize associated with that type of hit. You can play once per day. Prizing must be used on MLB and expires in 24 hours. Always bet responsibly. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.